You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So the disciples have encountered Jesus, or at least Simon Peter has. And in Luke chapter 4, I would imagine some of them have heard him preach his first sermon. And then later on in Luke 4, it tells us that he drives out an unclean spirit, and then he begins to do some healing in Capernaum. And it's not just any place he does go. He says he goes to Simon Peter's house. Simon is Peter's other name, if we remember. Um, And heals his mother-in-law. And so there seems to be some indication of the text that Simon is connected to Jesus at this particular point in his life, Simon Peter. And he's heard Jesus preach all throughout Galilee. And now we come to Luke chapter 5, which is the story that I want to look at this morning. It says, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word... He was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So Jesus got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Now, when Jewish teachers sit down, Jewish teachers, another word for that would be rabbi, when they When they sit down to teach, that is the moment of instruction. That's when all the crowds cease and begin to listen. Because the posture of teaching for the rabbi is sitting. It's time for business, right? Well, when he had finished speaking, which Luke doesn't seem to want to tell us anything about what he said, he said to Simon Peter, put in, put out, into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Everybody say deep water. No, you got to say it with a little more depth than that. Deep water. water. Put out into deep water, Jesus said. See, it's, it's the deep water. It's the deep water that the magnitude of God's grace really shows. It's in the deep water where God's grace can really be seen. Because it's in the deep water that we're in over our heads. It's in the deep water where we are having to figure it out. And when I say figure it out, I don't mean figure life out. Figure out whether or not we're going to stay or whether or not we're going to go. It's in the deep water when we find ourselves sometimes treading in desperate need of a lifeboat, a life raft, something to hold on to. It's in the deep water that we find ourselves over our head when we have to make a, a big decision that requires we trust God in the deep waters. It's in the deep water where we have to take the risk. It's in the deep water where we courageously choose to stand for what is right despite the consequences. This is in the deep waters where the beauty of the miracle takes place. And that's what happens in this story. It's in the deep waters where there's a risk of always going under. But it's in the deep water where we choose to believe that the risk is worth it. It's in the deep water that we find ourselves out of our depth. 
It's in the deep waters of God's grace where we make the courageous decision to have the hard conversation that we've been not that we've been we've been trying to avoid. It's in the it's in the deep water of God's grace that we commit to reading the book we disagree with, or or come to the Bible study that we make that makes us uncomfortable. It's in the deep waters of God's grace that we compel are compelled to embrace the person living through difficult circumstances and commit to walking with them. It's in the deep waters. It's in the deep waters where God's grace can be seen. Not in the shallow waters. Not in the shallow waters. As I was prepping for this and doing some reading, I stumbled upon this quote from W.H. Vanstone who said, the church is like a swimming pool. Most of the noise comes from the shallow end. I thought, man, that's true, isn't it? It's easy to stay in the shallow end, isn't it? It's easy to stay in the shallow end. Because in the shallow end, there's nothing at risk. In the shallow end, there's nothing at stake. In the shallow end, we're safe. In the shallow end, we can hold on to the edge and kind of climb ourselves around. And if we let go, we don't necessarily go under. It's in the shallow end that's the best place to watch from afar. Watching all the people frolic in the deep, complaining that the waters are getting splashed on you and getting your hair wet. It's in the shallow end where it's safe, where there's the least risk. See, what Simon is wrestling with, I think, and what Simon will wrestle with is if Jesus is worth going under for. That's where I think the story goes. Now Simon Peter's at a point where he's got to decide if Jesus is worth going under for. Do I stay in the shallow end? Or do I put out into the deep? Because the shallow end is easy. In the deep, well, I don't know what's underneath there. And that may be hard. And it got me to thinking about the entire context of the story. Is Jesus the one I follow because he's a great teacher? Or is Jesus the one I follow because he's God? See, I think that's the question Simon Peter has to answer. I mean, sure, Jesus is a great teacher, right? Like we see it in the text. People are coming from all around to hear him teach. And if we're following Jesus just because he's a great teacher, well, well then we're just left with another rabbi sitting in a boat, right? After it's done, we go to lunch, and we judge whether or not we like what the rabbi had to say. If we do like what he had to say, we may feel good about our week, and we feel good about ourselves. If we like the rabbi, we feel like we came and got, quote, fed, Right? And now we're ready to tackle whatever's ahead. We may even, if Jesus is a great teacher and that's why I follow him, we may even be willing to volunteer at the thing, right? Like we may feel compelled to go volunteer at the thing. Feel good about our faith. Maybe even feel good about our lives because we had a hard week. But see, here's the thing, church. And this is what Peter had to encounter in the text. Christianity 
isn't a self-improvement project. It's a way of life. And Jesus isn't looking for volunteers. He's looking for disciples. See, in Jewish thought, to become a rabbi, to become a disciple of a rabbi, is to commit to becoming like your rabbi. You pledge your life to him. This is Jewish thought, so keep in mind, like when you're reading your Bibles, when we're reading our Bibles and we see Jesus now as teacher or rabbi, this is the context. When you call a rabbi your rabbi, you're pledging your life to your rabbi. You pledge your life in submission. You learn to interpret Scripture as he interprets Scripture. You commit to go where he goes and do what he does. You leave your old life behind and trust in his ability to provide for you. That is what it means to follow a rabbi. So as the story goes, we find Rabbi Jesus sitting. And sitting not in just anybody's boat, but sitting in Simon's boat. And Simon realizes that following Jesus might mean more than he ever considered. Stay with me. Listen to how Simon's view of Jesus changes in this very passage. Master, Simon says, which means rabbi. We've worked hard all night and caught nothing. You know, it's hard to catch something when you're hanging out in the shallow end. See? But if you say so, I'll let down my nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, listen, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, listen, and said, go away from me because I am a sinful man. Say it with me. Lord. And That's where things changed. Simon isn't just terrified because the weight of the fish is about to rip his net. He's not terrified because the boat is rocking and they're at the risk of going under. He's terrified because he realizes that Jesus is more than a rabbi. Jesus is God. Jesus is Lord. And as a child, Peter grew up hearing the stories of encounters with God, majestic and terrifying encounters. The Jews always taught that to see the face of God would be to put yourself in a position to die. Following a rabbi is one thing, but following the Lord to go do what he does, to go where he goes, well, that, that, that'll cost you something. It may even cost you your life. You may even get killed. See, following Jesus as Lord is not what it looks like on the surface. And you have to come out of the shallow end and into the deep. Deeper the waters, deeper the waters, the more we are able to see the magnitude of God's grace. Show me a person who is willing to go out into the deep, and I will show you a person how big God is. They will know it. 
magnitude of God's grace capsizes us. It rips through our nets. It rocks our boats. It shakes up our safe and comfortable lifestyles, but we have to go out into the deep. Without much time to prepare, and to our surprise, out there in the deep, with the grace of God capsizing us, it, all of a sudden everything seems different now. What seems down is supposed to be up, and what seem, what's down seems like up, and the last will be first, and the first will be last, and to find a life that works is to be willing to lose the life that we've been told always works, and what's on the surface gives way to an abundance of fish, so many fish, this ex- unexpected, abundant grace that life on the surface doesn't, doesn't, just doesn't seem possible anymore we can't unsee what we've seen we can't unknow what we've known we we've seen God's grace we've seen God's abundant life-giving sin-forgiving justice-making fear-defeating people from everywhere and anywhere welcoming scandalous amazing grace only if we've seen it in the deep and only if we go out there we can't play it safe where we have to reckon with the teachings of God that's more than just making me feel good about myself. (laughs) I had a mentor tell me one time when I first started preaching that I should preach the love of God often. But he reminded me If I ever get to a point in my life where I need a sermon over and over again to tell me how much God loves me, then I just don't understand grace. In other words, there comes a point in time where we got to be willing to get out of the shallow water and into the deep. Because if you want to see the magnitude of that grace, you got to put out into the deep. Your nets are ripped. The boat will rock, and you'll feel like you're about to go under. I'm pretty sure I've been there. But Jesus is in the boat. He's in the boat. He's not going anywhere. But we got to put out into the deep. See, Simon, Simon Peter had to ask if this is what he signed up for. Did he sign up for this? Text goes on to say, For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. And then Jesus says to him, listen, this is why going out in the deep is the place to be. Jesus says to him, what? Don't be afraid. Now, there's a cost to be out in the deep. The cost is actually following the the rabbi. Then he says, from now on, you'll be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land left everything and followed him. God's grace is too big for one hand. God needs both hands. You feel me? 
can't hold on and ask God for some grace. I mean, I get, he'll give it to me because he's good, right? Like God is gracious. But why would I only take a handful if God's wanting to pour out a netful? I've got to go out into the deep. And when I do, he's going to ask me to join him. So here's my question, y'all. What's the deep thing God's asking you to go out to? You staying on the surface in Bible studies? Finding the tickled ears to get what you want to hear? You stay you playing it safe with your finances? Playing it safe, make sure we don't give too much that would put us in jeopardy. Playing it safe with your, your career, despite the fact that it's wrecking your soul, making you miserable. But the idea of change is just too precarious. You're staying in that relationship that you know is unhealthy. It's not life-giving, but it's comfortable. Are you feeling the tug of the Spirit of God to pull you into something deeper? But there's something inside of you that just wants to stay in the shallow end. Here's the word for you. Don't be afraid. Jesus is in the boat. He can be trusted with the deep end of the waters. He's already proven he's death proof, which then through resurrection shows us he's fail proof. Let him be more than a teacher. Let him be the Lord. Throw your life at his feet like Peter did. Say to him, I am a sinful person. That humility of I am unworthy will be the moment you finally open both hands and he pours out grace so much that it overflows into your nets. Because what we learn is that Christ, without anything added to him, is everything. But anything, anything without Christ is nothing. Christ without anything is everything. Anything without Christ is nothing. We no longer have to follow the news that the world calls good, that seeks to offer this life of hope and promise and security. We can follow Jesus where our true security is found. We no longer have to follow the world's philosophy that the bigger we become, the freer we'll be. Because the gospel of grace proclaimed by Jesus is that the smaller we become, the freer we'll be. We live by, for, and in a colossal Savior who is Lord and King.
We no longer have to follow the pressure of trying to measure up somehow to the world's expectations or other people's expectations because the gospel of grace proclaimed by Jesus, who's in the boat with us, reminds us that our truest success comes from all that Christ has already done and what he alone offers. We measure up because Christ measured up first. So we don't have to get that person back and defeat them. We don't have to punish them. We can be gracious because, well, after all, one of the aims of God's grace is to make us more gracious. We don't have to be like the Joneses, whoever those poor souls were. We no longer have to follow after success that comes from getting and gaining. Because the gospel of grace taught by Jesus explains success in terms of generous giving. Because he gave it all so we could have it all and then learn to follow him in his generous giving. We no longer have to follow after joy and satisfaction through self-indulgence because the gospel of grace proclaimed by Jesus reminds us that the true joy and satisfaction really does come through self-sacrifice because he sacrificed it so we could have it all. But I don't know about you, but part of what keeps me from wanting to sacrifice is I just would rather stay in the shallow end. Nothing really to sacrifice in the shallow end. But if we go out into the deep by sacrificing it all, we have a chance to see the magnitude of God's grace. See, and this seems to be the hardest for so many of us right now, and I don't know what to do about that. I just have to trust the Holy Spirit of God. But we no longer have to follow the kingdoms of this world, thinking somehow they're the great hope of the world. Because we understand that the gospel of grace proclaimed by Jesus is that these kingdoms will not outlast the kingdom of God. And he's already given the hope of the world to the world. And it's not a nation state. It's Jesus. And the proclaimers of the hope of the world is not a nation state. It's what we say every single week. It's the holy nation of God, which is also called the kingdom, and its society is the church. See, we no longer have to live for what is trendy and what is fear-driven because we have a timeless, loving Christ who gives us grace. See, there's a thing about grace in the deep. It cannot be managed, and grace will not be tamed. Grace will not be kept in check, and it will not be fenced in. The grace that shakes up our lives, rips our nets, and rocks our boats flows straight from the nail-scarred hands of Jesus who gave it all. And just like the story we read today, chooses to sit in our boats with us and then tells us to go out into the deep waters because it is in the deep waters that the magnitude of God's grace is found. So brother and sister, stop playing in the shallow end. Let go of the edge and let the current 
grace take you out into the deeps. God's grace will not leave you there to drown. It's just not how his grace works. May you be over your head. (laughs) Yeah. May you get a little water in your nose, probably. Burns. But you won't drown. Because Jesus is with you. And he says to you what he said to his disciples. Don't be afraid. And every week we gather, we're supposed to remember this, aren't we? We're supposed to proclaim we're no longer going to be the shallow people with our shallow readings of Scripture, with our shallow ways of seeing the world with its shallow promises and its shallow hopes that we build shallow dreams. No, no, no. We say something different. We're no longer supposed to be a people who just do Christianity when we have time, right? Like when it's convenient for us. Isn't that the deal? Like we're not supposed to be that anymore. Because we come to the table every week and we remember that if God gave his life and I receive it, then he's trustworthy with my own. And whatever things that I'm holding on to, my anger, my bitterness, my time, my money, my hopes, my security, my comfort, shallow end. I can trust him with it. I can trust him with it. The bread is his body, and the cup is his blood. And I take it, and I receive it every week, remembering that what God began in me and in you, he will bring to completion because he's not going to play games with our lives. He's with us. That is grace. Trust him and be not afraid.